Welcome to the Aggressive Life. Believe it or not, I'm not always the host when it comes to podcasts. Sometimes I get to switch seats and be the guest. This happened a few weeks back with a friend and colleague of mine, Allie Patterson, known as Alley Cat, who's also a teaching pastor at the church that I serve. She's a writer and she's a talented podcast host. I got to spend time with her on her show, Still Standing. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elton John. You know that song, right, Dirt? I did know the song. You did know the song. I'm still standing. She should have that as like her opening thing. Yeah, I'm guessing she probably couldn't get the rights to that. You you couldn't? Is there something like you could do it like a five-second thing? or Maybe if she sang it. Uh, we wouldn't. We probably wouldn't want that. <laughs> but I was uh, maybe. I've never really heard her sing. Maybe she's fine. Maybe we should just take you singing it and give it to her. There you That's go. That's it right there. Oh, baller. <laughs> anyway, she had me on her podcast, still standing to talk about manhood, gender roles, and why it's so hard for our culture to find compassion for men. We also got to talk about the five marks that separate men from poise and the upcoming release of two books in the Five Parks for Man library, both releasing October 10th. So before I set up the rest of our podcast, I, I just want to say this is the last time I'm going to be able to talk about this before these books come out. Uh, last time to pre-order, which is always important for sales and everything. So please, please just hang with me for a couple seconds before I finish my intro to get on to the rest of our podcast. Uh, in case you're curious, first there's the repackaged edition of The Five Marks of a Man, which is also updated with a new preface and also has a sweet new cover design. Uh, it, it is the definitive edition of the book that just started it all. We started a self-published one, then we did a published one that was a bit rough, and then and then this one. Uh, the same day, we're also releasing The Five Marks of a Man Tactical Guide. For years, I've had men ask me for a tool that helps integrate the marks into their lives, and this this is it. It's a tool more than a book. Uh, it's got short teachings and challenges and prompts to get you off the couch and moving, to actually use. That's the thing about a tool. You use it. You put it in your hand. You use it. You throw it places. You, you, you get it dirty. As you move through the book, it gets more and more beat up. It's a one-of-a-kind resource, and it's perfect for a group of like-minded men to work through together. You can pre-order either book, and you get a free Five Marks poster download. Go to bryantome.com slash five marks to get all the goods. You can pre-order today and they will be waiting on your front porch on October 10th. Now that is a long, that sounded like a long advertisement there. All that to say, when Alley Cat had me on her on her podcast, I was really invigorated by it and and I enjoyed it greatly. And I talked to Dirt and I said, man, we should just make her podcast my podcast for a week. And I think there's going to be some good, I know there's good stuff on it. I think you're going to be very thankful for, that we did. So, you can find her podcast still standing wherever you listen to podcasts. And this episode you can find right here. Let's get to it. Okay, you guys, today's guest is somebody that I know pretty well for a long time, but also I I guess I kind of saved him for this topic. I've been thinking about this topic today, and he is literally the perfect guest and I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous about this conversation. <laughs> not because of our guests necessarily, but because I feel like it's something we desperately need to talk about, but it's kind of fraught with landmines all over the place. Today, we're talking about how to stay standing in a culture where gender is becoming something 
of a hot topic. It's it's gender fluidity. It's what's a man, what's a woman. How are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to think about it? And where does our faith fit into the picture of biological sex and gender? And what do we tell our kids? And we're going to get into all kinds of stuff like that. But I want to introduce my guest. He is a friend, but also the founding and senior pastor of Crossroads Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, with me where I am. He's an author. We're going to get into his new um, book in a little while because it's exactly tailored for part of our topic today. And he's also the host of another podcast called The Aggressive Life. And I personally know he feels a deep calling to men specifically, so we're going to get into his take on all, all things gender-related. Today, we have Brian Tome on the podcast. Welcome to Still Standing. Great to have you. Good to be here, even though I'm sitting. I'm not standing right, well, right now. I'm, we I'm still do, sitting. We can yeah. do some calisthenics right. in a little while if you want to. Um, so I ask everybody, everybody that comes on the podcast, and there's only one rule about this question, and the answer cannot be coffee. You cannot answer me coffee. Oh, okay. What is keeping you standing right now? Every morning when you wake up, every week when you get started, whatever, what's something in your life that gets you out of bed and keeps you upright, keeps you going, keeps you strong, keeps you moving forward? What is keeping you standing? And it cannot be coffee. Uh, well, first of all, I, th- I think it's interesting. That's what people most instinctually say. So many people said that, that I had to ban it. Oh. No coffee. Interesting. Coffee doesn't keep you upright. I'm not buying it. Uh, I think the thing that's keeping me standing is I have a picture of the future that I'm really excited about and I want to be in it. I love it. Well, um, I happen to know that you, you feel a calling to men. Tell us where that started. Get us into like, where's your mind and heart for men? And then I, I want to pick your brain about what's going on with gender in our culture. Yeah, I would love to. I was a very, very late bloomer in just about every way, shape, and form. Uh, late bloomer educationally, late bloomer emotionally, late bloomer occupationally, and much of that is due to being a late bloomer and becoming a man. A man doesn't become a man when he's 18. There's 15-year-old men, and there's also 45-year-old boys. And I'm not going to give you the names of people I know in both those categories. So we know a lot of men in common. We can yeah. probably make a list. Or yeah. males. We know a lot of males in yeah, common. We, we know can a debate lot of males. whether it is or not. That's right. And my son, when my son was born, I put him, they put him on the little warming table in the birthing room, and he sent a stream of urine up in the up in the air, hit my elbow, came all the way down, rolled down in my hand, and I thought, oh man, this is not good because this little guy is going to piss all over me just like I did my dad. That my dad didn't have a car I didn't wreck. He didn't have a rule I didn't break. He didn't mm-hmm. have a hope and a dream for me that I didn't ignore. He did. I just was, uh, it was, I, 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 because I was a boy. And the thing when you have a, a male in your house, you, you've got an instrument of potential damage that exceeds that of a woman. Uh, you know, when I have, I had two Rottweilers. I always had big dogs. The The stakes of you raising those entities are higher than the stakes of you raising a chihuahua, right? Right? Mm-hmm. If a chihuahua's mm-hmm. nipping at somebody, it's not going to really hurt somebody. When you have a big dog and you don't raise it right, someone could get hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, that started me on the, the journey of what am I going to do for Jake mm-hmm. that I didn't have done for myself? And... Um, 
And that's kind of led to me where, where I am right now. Yeah. When did you feel like God was actually calling you into sort of a a ministry direction? I don't want to use like weird words with it, but like a, a really deep-seated understanding of how men and faith come together. Yeah. Like when did you really start to move down that path in your life? Oh, gosh. That's a great question, Alicat. I don't I don't know anyone's ever asked me that straight on like that. I think there was a few seminal moments Mm -hmm. where it came together. Um, One was, and looking back on it, I I didn't know how significant it was. Uh, My Young Life leader, while I was away at Young Life Camp in Colorado, I found out while I was away that he was leaving and he was going to another high school. And it was the first time in my life I I wept mm-hmm. like I that never happened I never cried and it was like <laughs> like the sobbing I, yeah. I don't know what was going on it was at night I remember it was by the horse ranch and looking back on it I know now what it was it was the first person that was emotionally vested in me as a father figure mm. and I was feeling abandoned. Uh, that was a big marking for, I don't know what it was. Had I had no, I just looking back on it. That was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, another, another one was when we started crossroads in 1995, just do, doing our marketing materials and everything. Mm-hmm. We had to decide who are we going to, what, what tongue are we going to use? And we decided to use the masculine tongue because men were underrepresented in church. That was a, that was a significant one. Yeah. Uh, Jake coming in, into, into our family that led me down a path. And then the other one that was significant was on a, having a motorcycle trip and in the morning sitting around a campfire, talking about some deep personal things mm-hmm. with other people talking about God. And it just occurred to me, we've got seven guys here who get beneath a veneer and get really real with each other. And this doesn't happen with, with men. Yeah. We just, we skate on the surface really, really well. What could we do to have an event that would help men talk to each other, sit on a campfire with one another, have a mm-hmm. sense of adventure. That's when man camp was born. Then once I was, once I was around, uh, the first event was 500 people in a barn in Indiana, and I just saw the need in men's souls. Like that, that was it for that me. I was, was like, it. hey, that was it. Yeah. That kind of brings us because that's been a handful of years ago now. I mean, right. well, that's been like eight, nine Is years. It that ago? long ago. What? What do you see? That's the exact horizon. That's so fascinating to me that God would be laying these stepping stones mm. in your life mm, right. to bring you into this era where you feel especially just drawn to the to the current state of, of right. men, which inevitably impacts how we're all thinking about gender. So what do you see that's been happening yeah. in our culture where men and women are concerned, where gender is concerned over this same period I of don't, time? I don't, uh, <laughs> I think it's important to say, I wouldn't say that I love men more than I love women. I was going to ask you about that. In fact, <laughs> I, I think I love women more than I love men. I, I married one. You know, I enjoy yeah. women more than men. So I don't think it's a matter of I love women or love men more than women. A lot of folks feel that way. Um, you know, all of us have an orphan mentality. Mm-hmm. We wonder like, well, I'm not getting that. How come I think people sometimes they hear me talk about this. They think that. Well, Crossroads is only for the church I started. is only for men. All we care about is men. No, 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 no. That's just that's just not true. Or, or I care about my wife. I care about my two daughters. I care about you on staff. I care about you know all that stuff. What it is for me is I have a special compassion for men because I see needs and hurts in them. That I'm not seeing somebody else step up for. Mm-hmm. 
It's obvious and easy to have compassion when we see a hungry child in Nicaragua. It's obvious and easy to have compassion for a woman who's worked her <clears throat> worked her noogies off, works sixty hours a week, and is in corporate America, and um, and she's devalued. She reaches a glass ceiling. She is uh, inappropriate sexual comments. Uh, for me, it's easy to see it and go, "Oh my gosh, my heart breaks for you." At the same time, we have to expand our compassion bucket. Like, who else gets compassion? And a lot of people just don't think that men need compassion. Like, no, you're you're you know you 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 rule, you dominate, you you don't have a glass ceiling. Here's some stats for you: Men are four times more likely to commit suicide mm-hmm. than women. Yep. Men are three times more likely to have a mental illness than women. Men are two times more likely to have an alcohol or chemical abuse related incident mm-hmm. than women. Mm-hmm. That's a sign that men are hurting. Am I saying men are hurting more than women? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're hurting, and I believe we have to expand our compassion bucket for them. And I'm one of the guys that God has grabbed and said, you, Brian. This is for you. Go, go. I need you over here. Yep. Well, as you look at how we talk about men and women, have you seen that compassion for men lessening? Over the last handful of years? Or do you think it's the same as it's always been? I think there's some lone voices in the wilderness that are popping up and saying, hey, what about this over there? Because mm-hmm. um, men are definitely not at the top of anybody's no. list of who to look around and be compassionate toward. No, not you know? at all. That certainly right. wouldn't be on the least of these lists that anyone would make. Is an American male. Right? And including men towards men. I mean, we're the, those of us who may be a bit more emotionally healthy mm-hmm. tend to look at other men like, hey, dude, suck it up. Yeah, you're right. Men are not on anyone's list. And I would say, ladies, those of you who are mothers, those of you who... Uh, would like to have a husband, but you can't find somebody who wants to date you. I would say the crisis that you have in your personal sphere around men is tied to the fact that there are fewer and fewer qualified men hmm. to build your life around. And um, and that hurts. That, that, that That's really awful. And that's another sign that men need help in these areas. Yeah. I think we're starting to talk about men and women a little bit differently. And I hear this big conversation in our culture going on about gender. Like, what is an actual man? What is an actual woman? And we're starting to fight about some really fundamental things. Like, that in in generations past, we never would have had to talk to each other about what's a man. When you think about men now, do you go down that fundamental? Have you gone all the way into that foundation and gone like, if somebody asks me what a man is, this is what I tell them. This is what a man is. I'm mainly interested in what separates a boy from a man, not in what separates a man from a woman. That's mainly what I'm interested in. Do you come across men who are like, there's a full spectrum of masculinity, right? Right. And how do you think about the differences where masculinity, like if you think about that word and all that goes into masculinity, obviously you come across men even at man camp that are all the way from super tough guy, over the top dude who everything's about, you know, hardcore, all that, whatever the culture is now starting to call sort of a toxic masculinity, which I don't like that term. Um, all the way back to men that are 
wildly different than you or certainly somebody on the other end of that spectrum who have more qualities that we would assign culturally as feminine. How do you talk to men about their own masculinity and what kind of things are on that spectrum for you? Are there any lines in there? How do you think about masculinity in general? Part of the confusion in our culture is what a man does. A man is not the primary breadwinner in the family. He could be, he has been throughout all of American history, but that is not a mark of a man that you're the one who makes the most money in the family because I don't see that anywhere in the Bible as being being a thing. Uh, a man is not a guy who has to drive a pickup truck. A man is not a guy who has to like MMA. A man is not a guy who has to like football. I like some of those things, but that doesn't, that doesn't make me a man. So when we start defining manhood by these trappings, mm -hmm. you know, your income level, your job, your this, your hobbies, that's actually what starts to become a little bit toxic. Not that those things are toxic, but what it starts to do for some males in our culture at a young age is they say, well, I don't like trucks. I actually like clothes that maybe I'm not. It's meant to be a man. Well, I don't, right. I don't, I don't like football. I, I like art. Yeah. M maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not a man. And, uh, that this is not true. I mean, whether you're not, whether or not you like art or sports, <laughs> minivans, monster trucks, MMA, finger painting, it, it, that right. those are not the marks of a man. I'll just say, I think people have a wrong impression of you from afar on this. I think that sometimes they look at your unique expression of masculinity, which is completely valid. You like certain things, yeah. you don't like certain things, yeah. um, and assume that that's your definition of masculinity. But you're saying, no, you, you, you see the full spectrum, and that really has nothing to do with what what makes a man for you? Correct. Do you have the same expression, the same beliefs about being a man and masculinity as you did 25 years ago, 20 De years ago? Definitely not. And I'm not sure how much of that is due to maturity and seeing things I didn't see, how much of that is due to decrease in testosterone, mm -hmm. how much of that is due to we as men become more sensitive and emotionally aware. So, yeah. no, I mean, if I, as an example, I find myself... Uh, fathering people, wanting to father people. And the form of fathering that isn't around discipline, the form of fathering that is around emotionally supporting other people. Mm -hmm. I find myself looking forward to that um, and, and wanting to do, I would have, that would have, I, I was emotionally ill-equipped to do that. Uh, I was equipped to have a Jeep and spit my chew on the floor of my Jeep in, in college, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like ending into somebody's emotional space? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. In fact, no, no. You, 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 you pull your stuff together and just do what you need to do. And, and I'm like, no, man, I need to, I need to be fathering people. Mm -hmm. I need to be blessing people. Yeah. Um, I, the guys I'm with in a group, I mean, I'll regularly uh, take one of them, just put my hand around the back there, and one of them has them just, oh, gosh, just, in a just fight with issues with a child. He, I could just tell he was on the edge, you know. And, and you know, 20 years ago, where I would have just given him counsel, told him what to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, this time, I just I was walking away, and the spirit just prompted me, and I turned around, put my hand in the back of his neck, mm -hmm. pulled him 
pulled him close to me in a hug, whispered in his ear, you're doing well. You're going to be fine. God's for you. He just mm. melts and you know breaks, <laughs> breaks yeah. that that yeah. father figure thing. Um, yeah. I've got a pastor that I know in another city that wheels are just coming off. And as a younger guy who's competitive, I would have thought, well, you know, we didn't do X, Y, Z. Well, it's not that. Um, now reach out to him. Hey, how can I help you? How can we help you? How can we come alongside you? It's that uh-huh. it's that more sensitive side that's popped up that wasn't there before. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I think about who I was 20 years or so ago, 25 years ago. And if you had given me a checklist, which I think we try to do this sometimes, at least with women, I feel this yeah. way. If you had given me a checklist and said, godly women do this, do these things, mm. I would have ripped it up and thrown it in your face. I would have I would have immediately rebelled against that. You would have? Yes. Huh. I would have thought your type A driven thing would have embraced that and said, go, go, go. No, huh. because it would have been stereotypes that I wasn't embracing at that time in okay. my life. All right. So right at that time in my life, what I was interested in is what I had set my eyes on. It, mm. I wasn't thinking about being a, quote, godly woman. I was thinking about having a career that I was proud of. Yeah. I was thinking about making enough money to support myself. I wasn't thinking about, I wonder what God thinks that a godly woman should be. I should check all those boxes. But mm. I think a lot of times, especially in churches, I don't know if men get this. You tell me. But women get, here's the checklist of godly woman things. Mm. Go be a mom. Yeah. Go, you know, go find some dresses. Don't be so... Don't be so aggressive, yeah. you know. We're we're given a picture, which at that time in my life, it's so interesting to me because as I look back, I would not have responded well to that because I wouldn't have fit some of those stereotypes of like churchy, yeah. godly girls at that time. But as I look at where God has taken me, as I as I tried to start following Jesus a couple years into that, I will admit, as I look back, for instance— there yeah. was a time where I felt very strongly that God was pushing me to go and stay home with my children. I had two—I was pregnant with my second at the time that I left. When that era—I'll call it an era—was over, I had four children, and I was home for about seven years with no outside-of-the-home employment. If you had told me at 22 years old that godly women mother children and stay home with them— I would have been like, screw you. I'll do it however I want. Mm -hmm. As I followed God, yes, he led me into a period where that is exactly what my life looked like. Mm -hmm. But if you had handed that to me and gone, go do this, I would would have thumbed my nose in your face. I would have ripped it up. And I would have gone, no, I'll have kids however I want to have kids. I'll do whatever I want to do, you know. So that's why I'm so like, I'm so hesitant to talk about the— worldly execution of femininity, the worldly execution of masculinity. What is a man? What is a woman by activity, by profession, by external characteristic? Because I think it actually pushes people away from the beautiful, like, breadth of godly stuff. And for me, from some things that I never would have picked for myself that now I can see are absolutely a part of figuring out how 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 to be a woman yeah. In the middle of, you know, following Jesus. When you push somebody, <clears throat> in most situations, it means they will be pushed away. Right. Because people don't want to be pushed. They want to be affirmed. They want to be told that they're right. They they want that. And 
that's part of the thing of being a, a godly leader and teacher. You roll the dice every time saying, I feel that this is something God wants me to do and say. And, and the ranks are going to be thin probably when I say this, but the ones who stick around you, they're going to be mm-hmm. stronger and will bear more fruit. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a bit sluggish, not confident I was getting all the nutrients that I felt that I needed, and I thought, maybe this is an easy solution. So I drink AG1 in the morning. I love doing the morning. I do it on an empty stomach. It forces me to get 12 ounces of water into my system. I love doing something proactive and aggressive to make me feel better and at least give me peace of mind. AG1 is designed with this kind of ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. Each scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash aggressive life. That's drinkag1.com slash aggressive life to take control of your health. Check it out. Get right down to it for us. If you don't define masculinity in men by external characteristics that our culture might want you yeah. to, how do you? What's in tell? Give it to us. Yeah. Well, it's in the- interesting. Um, so this is not just a uniquely only men do this, but I find that these are the push points for men. These are these are the things that really define if they're making progress or not, and, and they're known in no specific order. So one of them is. A man has a vision and a boy and a boy lives day to day. When I, I took seven years to go through college because I didn't have a vision, a four-year degree, by the way, <laughs> not, not, not undergrad. <laughs> not a master's grad, no, or a PhD no, no, on top no. of it. It no. took seven <laughs> years to go for a four, because I had no vision. I just yeah. was doing it because my parents were paying for it, and I thought it was something you should do. No one told me, hey, Brian, if you do well in school, you'll make more money to have more opportunities and set yourself up for the next few decades. No one, no, no, I you know, no vision, mm-hmm. right? Men, boys don't think about. Boys want an easy day today. That's all they want. And again, that's a, that's something yeah. that a woman needs to have as well. So that's that's one of the marks. Uh, vision or or lives day by day. Another one is a man is a team player, and uh, a boy wants to be MVP. Boys want to be all-time quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that yelled in a few backyard games. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all about them, what, what they're doing. But yeah. a man decides that he wants to be on a team. He's a team player. That could manifest itself as when he's in peewee football, that he plays the line, even though he has the best hand-eye coordination. He plays the line because the coach says, I need you in the line because you're the biggest kid. And his dad says, okay, son, you're, you're playing the line. Being a team also, by the way, this is also why our marriage rates are going down and so hurting. The most important team any man will ever be on is a marriage, mm-hmm. husband and wife. That's the most important team, period. The, your spouse is either going to 
double the impact of your life or cut the impact of your life in half. Mm. And if you don't have a spouse at all, you're just going to be missing the you're going to be missing the power and potency. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of problems we're having with men in our culture because we're pushing off marriage. Mm-hmm. It's going further. For, we're, we're not for marriage. We're mm-hmm. just like arranged live-togethers. Put it mm-hmm. off until enjoy all your time and then start going out. And and uh, maybe later you can have a child in your mid-30s once you've done X, Y, Z and saved all your— No, build a life with somebody. Yeah. Build it. And men are not—or males— are not embracing marriage because we're very boyish and are just trying to live for ourselves. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. All right, thir- Sorry, another one. one is a man is a protector, a boy is a predator. Mm-hmm. This one should speak for itself, right? Uh, hashtag Me Too movement. Boys, uh, take, take, take. Well, she said I could. Well, she, I thought she was in with his take. I, I got I to pray on her. I got I to go. I got to mm-hmm. get it. It's just, it's not good. The Carnegie Carnegie Institute did a survey of of what do they call it? They call it passerby heroes. Hmm. When someone's getting assaulting, mugged on the street, out of nowhere. By the way, before I give these again, these are not things that only men do. These are not things only women can and should do. All of these things. These are just the push points for men where they're where they're falling short. And I find it's a template to put it before them and go, huh? You know. They found that muggings, when muggings happen, uh-huh. when they're stopped, when someone comes to rescue, 90% of the time it's a man. Right. 90%. I wouldn't expect that. Because it's kind of in, in us as to be a protector. Yeah. Women can protect. They do protect. They serve the military, all that stuff. But there's something hardwired in men like, no, I want, I want to rise up. I want to protect. Yeah. So we protect people physically, we protect people emotionally, we protect people financially. I have savings in large part so I can protect wi- women. I said women just because I, one of the examples of the book is a woman who, for my men's group, would serve us breakfast all the time. And then one day she was hurting. We could tell she wasn't herself. And she couldn't feed her high school son who's in the football team. She couldn't handle utilities. Uh-huh. And we had enough savings in our, in our group to say, okay, we're going to pay your utilities for the long-term future. And we're going to cover all your groceries. Mm-hmm. We were protecting her. Yeah. So That's I have savings to protect people around me. You know, mm-hmm. I tithe. The church I've been a part of because I want to protect the mission of the church. Men think this way. Boys don't think this way. We are actually told explicitly in some cases from a fairly young age and then the evidence also bears out that men are, not all men, but if there is a predator, it's a man. And I... I look back and think I adopted behaviors Hmm. at a young age that I still do today, expecting that any predator that comes along in my vicinity will be a man that I cannot physically overpower. Like what? Like there, if I if I'm in a parking garage or an office building or something like that, and there's a man alone in an elevator when the door opens for me, I don't get in. Never. Zero times. I don't know if that's a bad idea, though. Right. No, I'm just saying that this, this, I agree. And there are, when I was in college. Are, so are you saying that you wish you weren't thinking about that and you got in the elevator? Or I wish saying the that... truth about men was that women don't have to be coached to avoid the nature of a predator. Right. And right. as I think about that word, it's right. that word. Using that word is so palpable for me as a woman mm-hmm. because for so many years I've been told there are many men 
who are predators. Yep. You need to adapt yourself around them. Mm. And it's so it's so um, conflicting as a mother of daughters. I have two sons and two daughters. So as a mother, just speaking about what I would say to my daughters about that, right? I do not want my daughters to live in fear. I don't want to scare them unnecessarily. I don't want them to live in fear. I do want them to live in reality. Yeah. I do want them to understand that there there's wisdom available for you. And I don't know the line sometimes because the truth is when I turn on the news, most of the predators I see are men. Of course. And do you assign that to a natural instinct that's gone awry? Why are there so many men predators? I think there's a number of things at play. First is you're a predator because you're still a boy. And we've got more boys than we've ever had in American history, I believe. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing some of that stuff. I think another thing is testosterone's a real thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, when my testosterone went down, it was really nice, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. You mean due to age? Yeah, yeah. yeah dude, just just like, oh, my gosh, yeah. you're just, you know, then went down too much. That's a whole other podcast, and I do something about that. Lib and I have talked about that before. But, you know, there, there, we do have this, te- which makes us more physically aggressive. Uh, the sexual the sexual drive in, in males is a real thing. It's mm-hmm. not, and it's a biological thing. It's not like the drive to have a better car. There's right. a there's a scientific thing. So when you have that testosterone, that I'm not just, when you have that level of testosterone and you have a culture that doesn't have natural outlets for that testosterone, mm-hmm. whether it be a war, working the field, you know, physically, and when we're physically engaged in things, we have a way to yep. flush that testosterone right. out of our system. We're, but now we're doing what? Now, now we sit in class and we go to a cubicle and right. we sit and watch our TV and, and there's not a healthy outlet for that. And so people get unhealthy. I learned something recently about... Please forgive me because someone out there is going to be like, you got that all wrong. But I- I'm, getting the, I'm getting the basics of it right. The, bu- the that, Buddha and Jesus are the same thing? No. No? That's not. That in the womb, <laughs> that there's a, in the final, I'm going to say week to 10 days, the very final stretch prior to birth, that a male in the womb actually has a something called a tea wash, like that mm. he gets washed, literally flooded with testosterone. Mm. And so men that are, the point of when I learned that was talking about this spectrum of how, quote unquote, testosterone filled or, you know, quote unquote, ma- masculine, some of those really masculine right. traits that are associated with testosterone, what accounts biologically for some of the differences. Yeah. And I never knew that in the final, final, final days in the womb, that men are literally, I think it's called a tea wash. They are hmm. literally washed with testosterone. So if you're I mean, again, we're just dealing with biological reality in some cases. If you're born two weeks early, that doesn't mean you don't have any. Obviously, men possess testosterone. You know, they have they have um, a process in their body already. But that there's this final thing that happens in the womb. I never knew that. So interestingly, like this spectrum that we're on with some of the traits we're talking about has a a biological reality. That's a biological reality. And it impacts how that child grows and what their experience is as a, as that sex. Well, and when you look at 
how that then plays out in our culture as little boys, mm -hmm. we're not, uh, our culture has become more and more passive. I don't mean man, I just, I mean American culture, meaning it's become less and less physically rigorous. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, I had two recesses a day, two yeah. a day. We came in, I have vivid memories of coming in and we're all out in the mud and the teacher just freaking out because we all tracked mud in the class. <laughs> There's mud all over did the place. Did you do the Presidential Physical Fitness Award? Yeah, yeah, I remember I that yeah, one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. People would die if we did that today. All right. They would absolutely die totally. if we did that today. Uh, Stuart Brown uh, is one of my heroes. I've always wanted to get him on the podcast. He's either not doing podcasts or he's, you know, losing his mind. I don't know, but I would love to have him. He founded the National Institute of Play. Love it. <laughs> the National Institute of Play. I like that. And he did a study of everybody, all, everybody on death row. Okay. Which, by the way, is 90%, 99% man, Male. you know? Mm -hmm. You know what he found out? What the one common characteristic of every every male on death row was? Oh, what? An absence of rough play as a child. Fascinating. And his theory is because they didn't do rough play as a child, uh -huh. they didn't learn how to empathize. Because they never wrestled around with somebody and somebody took her elbow accidentally or intentionally and cracked them on the side of the head or in the cheek where they felt pain, they couldn't get sensitized to the pain. Interesting. Because they didn't climb trees and fall down and break their arm and feel the pain of the arm, they had no ability to empathize that I'm going to break your arm. Uh -huh. I'm going to I'm going to do so that. So interesting. Torturing small animals and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, if you look at today, our young males, man, me and my friends- we, we, someone was in the hospital emergency room every month. Stitches, <laughs> a broken, I mean, just have me go down my, my yeah. two broken arms, a broken finger. You can still see all jacked up. Yeah. Stitches on my head, on my forehead, bro, bro, just on and on and on and on and on and on. And that was everybody. So today's children, young males, because we're pulling them out of sports or because we want everything two hand touch or because video games are so good and they just do video games instead of tackle football in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I think that we're, it's almost like a hotbed for more uh, unhealthily aggressive males who don't have empathy with yeah. other people as they age. Okay. So we've done what three, give me your last okay, two, three, last two, <clears throat> a man works and a boy plays. Mm. No, uh, I like to play. These things are not, <laughs> these things are, so like vision or, you know, lives for the day. <clears throat> not bad to live for the day, but you just got to have vision. Not bad to play. I like to play. I like to play. But I don't, I don't live to play. A man doesn't see a time when he will not work. A man doesn't have a vision to not work. Mm -hmm. If he has a vision to not work, it's maybe a vision to not be in the traditional business world so that he can work at something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam and Eve were placed on the earth and they were given the role to work before the fall happened, before the sin, sin came in. Work is, we're here to work. That's why we're here. Well, no, we're here to be with God. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, we're here to work. That it says in Genesis, God put us here to work the earth. He didn't put us here because he needed a buddy. <laughs> He put us here to work the earth. And so when a man wants to not work, this is, this is a bad sign. That's why recently I declared that I'm going to, uh, when I was a boy, like 23-year-old boy, I thought the goal is to, 
to retire at age 55. And then I thought it was a goal to retire at 65. I've recently said I'm going to 70. 70 is when I'm going to be done at Crossroads. Now, if something, if I hit a wall that I wasn't expecting earlier and I got to go, okay, I got to go. But but when by saying that, I was saying to myself, no, Brian, you're here to work. You're not here to graduate from work. And the pressures and stresses of Crossroads that you don't like, Mm -hmm. that's what what life is, and boys don't want pressure and stresses. You need to just embrace stresses, uh, pressure and stresses. So mm-hmm. that's one of them, work or play. And then the final one is minority position. Boys always need to be in the majority, and men take a minority position. I can see this one being really interesting when it comes to being a person or a man in this particular case, but a person of faith in this generation right. and in our culture today, because if you can't take right. a minority position, you will not live your faith in any real right. and significant way. Right. So for me, this this right. wraps it all right. back around right. to like these are these are easily seen in scripture, easily experienced. If you if you want to live a life where God is at all in the picture of your life, you are going to have to move. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to be a person who can take a minority position. Like all of these are actually driving you to the foundational things that you need for a life of faith. God works most powerfully in the minority. In the whole, all the thing, the Bible, yeah. it's always the minority. Mary was in the minority. Mm-hmm. She got implanted with the seed of God. Mm-hmm. The spies that go over to look at the promised land, mm-hmm. it's the minority that says we can do it. Mm-hmm. Two out of 10, it's the minority. It's always the minority. And we, as Christians, those of us who are Christians who are listening to the podcast who identify as Christians, I don't understand why we get so upset that the world doesn't understand us and the world isn't going the way we want to go. We're in the minority. Right. <laughs> We're really surprised that, like, yeah. if, you, if you want me to vote for you, I'm sorry, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> my values are in the minority. You get me talking start talking about sexuality? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to hate me. Everyone's going to hate me. I'm going to be a minority. And I'm going to be right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be standing on history. Say, well, you're on the wrong side of history. No, if you're not, if you're on the side of God of how he defines sexuality, you're already on the wrong side of history. Yeah. You're already there. Yep. You're already there. And no one is going to understand those of us who look to the scriptures mm-hmm. as our constitution. No one is going to understand those of us who say, I want to work till I'm 70. Even if I have enough money to retire, mm-hmm. no one's going to understand us who say these things and live these ways. But it's called being in the minority. This is the thing as a parent who is raising bo- both boys and girls in this culture. What I what I constantly find us having conversations about is if you really want to follow Christ and, and you know, there's no— I, I, that's not my decision to make. You're going to have to make that decision over and over and over again. But if you really want to follow Christ, you will not be affirmed by your peers. Right. You will not be right. on the same path that everybody else. And this is the hardest thing. This is the hardest thing, especially for teenagers. But it's it's difficult for everybody. You won't even be affirmed by people in your family. Oh, <laughs> and don't that's, I know that. <laughs> right. And that's yes. why Jesus says— leave your family. Mm-hmm. If you're not up for being hated by your family, you're not worthy yeah. to be called a disciple of mine. Jesus says, look, my brothers and sisters are those who do the will of God. 
it's not to preserve all the feelings in your family. It's not to please your family. It's to please your heavenly family, to please God. And if that's what you're going to be about, you will be in the minority. Jesus is born into a core that is his, his biological family like we all are, right? And as far as we know, he spent his early years within that core and then he redefines it and there's a significant shift. They're welcome, but they're welcome in as much as they are about the will of God. I, I really firmly believe that a lot of us who want faith as a part of our life we have these instincts and, and there's moments where <clears throat> I just want to go that right there, do that, follow that. And some of them, maybe all of them are some of these marks, you know, that, and I think this is why you and I, we cross over, we get along well, because we know at the end of the day, you must go, you must do something. You must not just learn things. And you know me, I'm, I'm nerdy. I like to learn things, but I know every aspect of my faith that right. I own is because I move. You are, ner- you are nerdy and you're also a, a woman of action. Your history is that very clearly, you know, I, it's interesting that I think the still standing is a great, it's a great uh, name of your podcast and it's a great name for a book. And it's a great thing of of what people need to do because we just don't have many people who are hanging on. We don't have many people who are faithful anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like more acceptable to turn your back on things and deconstruct things than it is to be faithful and just stand. And sometimes you only have the energy to just stand. But, you know, you and you stood and you are standing, but you're standing so you can get moving. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've done a great job getting moving. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I enjoy being in ministry and with you and why, you're, why we're close friends. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So there's a book that exists that's been out for years now called Five Marks of a Man, but there's a new product that goes with us. You so mean the book on how uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I don't want to talk about that. You know what? I'm upset about that. I'm upset about it. I can't it. believe you're still upset about it. I'm upset. It. <laughs> what? It's a God, bad call. Why are, you, why are you upset about this? Listen, first of all, I really don't For, care. Yeah. Oh, you just, do care. You this. care a lot. No, that's not what I care about. I don't care if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie. Okay. It takes place at a Christmas party. Fine. Yes. yes. It doesn't, it's a violent film. I wouldn't, I don't want to watch. <laughs> and I don't want you to preach on it. It has nothing the to do with The cross of Jesus Christ was violent as well, Alley Cat. <laughs> Taking the promised land, that was violent as well. Okay, what was your, I, I was looking the right way to reveal that. In the, I, I remember what you were with your question. Oh, your, your question was about actual tell books. You, actual tell books. us about your guide. Because it's kind, uh, of, it's kind right. of made to get you moving. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got it right here. It's just hot off the press. It's called Tactical Guide. And uh, it has the five war, works, the five marks woven through it. But it's meant to be used, written on, rubbed in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's trying to get a tactile, you know, a yeah. lot of guys or just people, we need something tactile. That's, I think that's part of why men tend to not go to church. There isn't enough tactile things, not enough things to do. Most, mm-hmm. many men don't want to sit and just be in a learning environment. I read on an early page in the guide when I was going through it, you were like, go up climb something, throw this book and figure out how to go get it. Right, it's right. something close to right, that, right? Exactly. So it really is. It's a book of like even even practicing right. action. Mm-hmm. Like we just need practice we do. of go throw this book and go find it. Like, yes. you know, you just need to practice moving. So yes. that's why I like it. I really like it. It's, it's actually on pre-order right now. 
Yep. And you can pre-order it. But when is the official release date? Remind me. Oh, and do official, pre-order it. It really yeah. helps authors when you pre-order their books. Totally. It's called and Five Marks for Man Tactical Guide. The Five Marks for Man Tactical Guide. And we're okay. going to have a uh, at Crossroads, the church that employs us. We're going to have a uh, a men's group on this uh, in a few weeks, and we're also going to have then a women's group that you're going to be leading yep. as well. So yep. it's you can be a go slide. to crossroads.net slash groups and find all the details about those groups. We either one of us would love to have you in a book study group, you know, because both books are going to push you to move, to risk, to actually follow. Yeah. Um, hey, thank you so much for being with me today. I know I ran you over because I don't get to see you very much. Oh, it does stink. I know. Stink. I really, I, I wanted yeah. to do a lightning round. I had oh, all kinds. Man. I know. You have a lightning round Shoot. and we're out of time. And I had like, maybe we'll do a bonus episode and drop a lightning I round. I was going to throw at you like that. questions about gender and men and all kinds of stuff. But well, we're going to have to save that for a bonus. We'll all just right. have you back. So no, it's sorry great. we it's missed the lightning It's great being with round. you. And I think you did a great job yeah. here. In fact, I'm thinking going to people who are on my team and saying, we should just make your podcast one of our podcasts for a week. Love it. That'd be fun. That would be so We've fun. We've done that just once or twice before. Ask permission. Can we just like plug your thing and, you know, and we may That'd do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, well, thanks. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so fun to have you. Great to talk to you. Clearly, we need to do lunch a couple of times a year or something so yeah. we can get all the conversation Totally. Out, so. I'm with it. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us on this journey toward aggressive living. Find more resources, articles, past episodes, and live events over at bryantome.com. Pre-orders for my new books, a repackaged edition of The Five Marks of a Man, and a brand new Five Marks of a Man tactical guide are open right now on Amazon. If you haven't yet, leave this podcast a rating and review. It really helps get this show in front of new listeners. And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.